Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone is Cancelled. Today I have a very special guest, a um, very influential person in my life, Dr. Mark Gordon. Uh, Dr. Mark Gordon <clears throat> has been on Joe Rogan's podcast many times. I'm sure you've seen him. And uh, he has greatly impacted both the military and the civilian community around the world in a highly positive way, uh, both with PTSD and uh, TBIs. And uh, that barely scratches the surface of his work and qualifications, but I could spend the whole show going over those, and I'd really like to get into this interview. How are you doing, Doctor? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me here, Dylan. Thank you for being here. It's an honor. You've uh, helped not only myself, but my family out as well. I have family in law enforcement who's had serious TBIs and the military with serious TBIs. So uh, needless to say, you've helped us out a lot. I'd, I'd like to ask you... Uh, about, I understand if it's okay that you're in talks with the government on possible funding for some research. Is that correct? Uh, yes, there are a couple of um, uh, groups that uh, either have approached us or we've approached them, or we approach them, uh, mm -hmm. for getting funding to do some of our uh, taking the science that we have and putting it through double blind studies. To date, we do what's called open studies where we have people who come into us, uh, the veterans, I'll just talk about the veterans. My daughter, Allison, uh, takes care of all the civilians. I take care of the uh, military. So they come in, they're on a multitude of medications and they're still depressed, they're non-functional, they're angry, they're reactive and so forth. Whether or not they have TBI or the stuff that's called PTSD, which I don't really you know, buy into. Um, right. And they go through our testing our biomarker panel, they get tested, and then based upon the results of the testing, we put them onto an appropriate uh, personalized treatment protocol, and then um, they get better, and we monitor them uh, every month with a questionnaire that has about 25 points on it, and they respond, and what we see is improvement. So the fact that we don't have uh, a control group, uh, the general traditional medical population out there following the dogma of the scientific method say that it's not valid because they got better. I said, wait a second, you've got these guys that were suicidal on 13 medications like my uh, partner, Andrew Marr, ex-Green Beret right. EOD, and they was on 13 medications, full-blown alcoholic and suicidal. And then, you know, six months later, he's, you know, off all his medication, not drinking, and he's doing well. He ends up going into Stanford Ignite program, ends up going into uh, Pepperdine and getting his MBA in uh, business. And <laughs> in his brother, Adam, who's uh, also part of our group, Adam uh, uh, Marr and uh, Andrew write a book that gets made into Quiet Explosions, which ends up being, you know, given this year the award of uh, the most important film of 2021 award. So, yeah, you know, the people who are listening, that. I recommend they see Quiet Explosions, uh, which is on Amazon, the documentary. Yeah, it won the uh, Lilac Award at the 22nd Annual Spokane International Film Festival. It's a big deal. Yep. Uh, I find that really yeah. interesting. And, one interesting and an interesting factor with that award in Spokane, Washington, was the fact that they never had a film requested twice to play twice. 
and their film really? was. You know, I had nothing. I had nothing to do with the film. It's Andrew Adam and the producer Jerry Shear. Brilliance, absolutely brilliant. The way they took the majority of our cases and um, presented that, and I try to stay out of the movie. Uh, because it's not about me. It's about the results. That's what people want to see, the results. They don't want to hear an egghead like me talking about, you know, <laughs> the science that's behind this, but they want to see the results. Does this work? So the studies that we have are open studies, and the government, you know, traditional medicine wants to have um, these double-blind studies to make sure it's not just placebo. So when I was yeah. attacked at Fort Smith Naval Hospital for this being just placebo response, I said, I'll take right. this placebo response where the guys are off their medication, no longer suicidal, back in school, enjoying yeah. life again. If wow. that's what placebo, I'll take it. Right, right. The results are important. Conveying this to the main populace is important, the, the military community, and hopefully right. eventually society as a whole. Uh, what do you think the chances yeah. are of this going mainstream, actually getting the funding for the double-blind studies? I know there's hurdles. Yeah, there are hurdles, and what I've been doing is working double time uh, my 140-hour weeks to generate extra funds, to put it into a little kitty, to have money that if I can't get the money I need, and it's a small amount of money. Uh, the study is only six months, no longer than a year, and all I need is about one and a half to two million dollars. I don't take a salary, and none of the people right. that I have helping me, except for the uh, biostatistician. So it's right. low cost short time and results and that's the key so you already have the study planned out you just need the funding i wrote a dod grant uh last year uh with the study parameters the cost analyses the uh technical data uh technical abstract and the lay abstract and i've been sharing it with organizations who have better ability at getting a grant from the dod from the government so wow. I'm trying everything I can. I I'll really hope that too. I mean, I want to give the technology away. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's, that's what's funny. I, I saw your, your podcast first on Joe Rogan when I was going through serious issues. And um, I was a mess. And I, it was amazing to me that you were just giving this information out. You weren't, <laughs> you weren't saying, get my book, although you have two great books out there. You just put it out there. And I started on the quercetin, the DHEA, and it was just like a snap of a finger. I was a new man. Um, I had a lot of inflammation going on above the neck, as you say, and uh, it just was like night and day. I have a family member who's actually a police officer of uh, 25 years, over 25 years. And right before he retires, he's on his way home from work. He's on a motorbike. On the freeway, a car runs him over. And um, he gets smacked on the back of the head right behind the left ear. And... In my interpretation, he would lose where he was speaking mid-sentence. Right. Nothing about, very little about him was the same. It was almost like a different person. Um, so then, then I really started digging into your material. Um, I have a question for you. you. You work with a lot of military community, law enforcement, I, I, as I understand. And a lot of these guys, they can sort of have an, an old school mindset where they listen to a doctor, but they might not be prone um, to necessarily trusting like a supplement like quercetin. What do you say if you're in my position to, uh, to really get them to understand what it's going to do for them? Or if you have a patient that's maybe hesitant, what's a, better, a good way to convey that? Well, I'm science-based. I'm an uh, academician. I was at USC teaching at UCLA, uh, uh, USC and UCLA. And 
You know, I use the academic approach. Here's the science. Here's what it tells us. Here's what's going on with you because here's the science that tells us what's going on. You had a smack behind your left ear in the occipital parietal region and inflammation. Here's the literature on inflammation from trauma. Here's the information on quercetin and how it controls that inflammation. You can either ignore it, not try it, or you can try it and see how well it works for you. We've got over 3,000 patients, 447 and counting military, and the rest are in the uh, civilian population. And we're monitoring right now 1,109 active patients. And they're all getting better. How do I know? Because every month they're providing their monthly program questionnaire. Everybody gets better at a different rate. So, we, you know, I said in the beginning, we do a personalized, customized um, approach to everyone. What When you stand back, you see that things like quercetin, very important. Things like uh, DHA, which is one of the uh, omega-3s, very important. N-acetylcysteine, unfortunately, the federal government saw it in their wisdom to take it off the uh, over-the-counter marketplace, so we have to go back to glutathione. Glutathione works, but uh, N-acetylcysteine works a little better. Uh, we use uh, scorbate palmitate, which is a form of vitamin C that gets into the brain to generate glutathione and regenerate um, uh, tocopherol, which is vitamin E. These are very, very important uh, natural, nutraceutical or natural products which influence the way that our body generates inflammation. So in telling someone who is resistant, they're resistant because they trust the little white pill that's a prescription for $500 as opposed to quercetin, which for three months supply might be 30 bucks. Yeah. And they say, oh, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> but if you were to see the reams and reams of documentation on the benefits of quercetin in four major benefits, it decreases the inflammatory uh, trigger transduction or transducer called NF-kappa B. So you can't make your inflammatory cytokines. It upregulates within a week mitochondria so they make more ATP. Why do you need ATP? It's the energy that runs repair. So if I've got low energy, I or low energy chemistry, I can't repair things or build anything. And that's what you want is high energy. So that's yeah. quercetin increases mitochondria. It also carries uh, zinc into the cell to fight off uh, COVID one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It defends you against influenza A and B, enterovirus, gut virus, and nasal virus, rhinovirus. Um, so I know for and carrying it, and then it increases uh, IGF binding protein three, which is insulin-like growth factor binding protein three, which is anti-cancer. Can drop a forty-eight percent colon cancer by studies done at uh, Melbourne in the Melbourne Collaborative Study. So you go and look wow. at the when you use growth hormone, it stimulates something to stop cancer, not make cancer. I didn't know that aspect. That's mind-boggling. Wow. Uh, yeah, I have a new lecture that just talks about growth hormone turns on nine proteins. What each one of those proteins, how important they are. The cardiovascular world found that the binding protein one protects you from heart disease. Binding protein two and three from cancer. And then number five is diabetes. I mean, I'll send you the, uh, the lecture if you want it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was actually going to get into growth hormone and uh, growth hormone secretagogues, so that's that's amazing. And I'd like to say I appreciate that because um, I think there's a lot of people who can relate to my scenario, and uh, they struggle to find the way, the right way to convey what you just said because they're not you. Very few people 
if, if any at all know what you know. So I appreciate that very much. I think a lot of people can benefit uh, from that with their own family. Uh, there, there has been, I'll get right into the uh, growth hormone. So there's been a lot of talk, some people saying it prevents cancer, some saying it promotes cancer. Um, I've, I've seen benefits that it can have on the brain and the eyes. And to me personally, not a doctor, so nothing I say is really worth anything, but it seems like it could be helpful in certain scenarios regeneratively. Um, do you see that being the case with, with as far as above the neck goes? Absolutely. Above and below the neck, uh, because the same or similar biochemical pathways for product development, one of the most important benefits of growth hormone is, you know, growth hormones produced eight at night to four in the morning. So in the morning, when you draw your blood, you have the lowest level and you re react to that. You got to understand that during that four to uh, eight at night to four in the morning, that it goes to the liver and turns on nine proteins. One of the most important ones is the hormone called IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor one, which helps to upregulate the production of uh, protein in the cell in the ribosome, which is responsible for protein synthesis, it improves its production. And you know that a person has a defect in that if they're making lots of homocysteine. So a marker of low level of growth hormone in functioning on the mechanism for making a protein is elevation in homocysteine levels. So uh, growth hormone, IGF-1, IGF-1 is called uh, mitotic which means that it helps cells replicate. And the perception is that if you use growth hormone, it turns on IGF-1, which increases mitosis. The thought is that if you accelerate cellular replication, that you're more prone to generate genetic abnormalities, which can propagate into a cancer. With that being said, there's something they're missing. IGF binding protein three and binding protein uh, five are the two that are anti-cancer. So when you have uh, a problem with a mutation of DNA, these chemicals help to kill the cell. And one of the mediators of it, and you go to Wikipedia and look up P53, P53 is the strongest anti-cancer component in our body. Then the question arises, why, is so many, why are so many people getting cancer? There's got to be something wrong with the P53. And the answer is P53 needs zinc to function. And one third of the world population, according to the WHO, CDC, NIH, are deficient in zinc. That's why things like viruses, certain viruses that I've already commented on, are getting a stronghold because we're all a third of the population are deficient in zinc. But you need quercetin to bring the zinc into the cell. And one of the benefits of hydroxychloroquine is that it brings zinc into the cell. There are That's five incredible. things that bring zinc into the cell to help you. So anyway, growth hormone has a balance between promitotic, asking the cell to replicate, and anti-mitotic, stopping the cell. So it's a balance between those two that would determine whether or not you're prone to cancer or not. So when you use growth hormone, you're turning on all those products. So it's a natural balance that occurs in the body. One, IGF-1, saying make cancer or replicate, and two, saying don't. So you think, so zinc is important to take alongside yeah, it. Zinc's important in 300 processes in the body. Antiviral, anti-cancer, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-dementia. 
So extremely important. And it also has a benefit of dropping the inflammatory trigger NF-kappa B. It's all in the literature, you know. And I posted it on my website when I went to Rogan because I knew we were going to get into sticky areas that someone's going to turn around and say, where's the science to prove you? Where's the science? It's all on the website. That's what I love about your work. You provide the proof right there. Uh, how about thyroid? Is that something you typically check with your patients? Is that a big deal to you or is it? It's extremely important when you consider that there are three and a half times more articles, 580,000 articles talking about the relationship between thyroid being low or low normal and depression when there are only like 143,000 articles of testosterone and depression. So I asked the patients, which one do you think causes more depression, thyroid or testosterone? Everybody wants to say testosterone. <laughs> and the major problem is that the majority of healthcare providers are not doing a thorough enough assessment of uh, thyroid. They're doing TSH, yeah. that's it. No, you gotta do TSH, free T3, free T4, and reverse T3. Because reverse T3 is like a phantom. It's hiding in the background, and that will alter whatever you think TSH means. And there's a calculation which is called the T3-RT3 ratio that came out of um, uh, England, I think it was, uh, Dr. Jostel, yeah, out of England, and shows that a ratio below a certain amount is associated with a lot of problems, depression being one of them. It's called the low T3 syndrome. So you can have symptoms like you have low thyroid, but the doctor goes and just checks out TSH and he says, no, it's normal. Right, right. Okay. One marker is not good enough for thyroid. Thyroid's a complex animal. And then yeah. um, why do we need T3, which is the key? T4 is you know the L-thyroxine that we take. T3 is the activated form that does the work. What's one of the most important things relative to brain aside from depression is that it helps for stem cells to produce their stem cell chemistry. Really? T3, very important for it. And the cell, just to give you a big term so you think I'm smart, is oligodendrocytic precursor stem cells. They are <laughs> regulated by T3. And what do they do? They make growth factor. They subdue inflammation. They help the generation of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is the key for keeping neurons functional. We can regenerate these connections, but you That's need incredible. the right chemistry. And when you have inflammation from any form of trauma, I talk about two forms of trauma, two classifications. One is called traumatic, where there's a physical impact. And the others are non-traumatic, where there's no physical impact, like surgery, prolonged surgery like chronic stress. And chronic stress causes that syndrome they call PTSD. But they haven't looked at the chemistry behind it. Stress causes a chemical called fractalkin to elevate. And fractalkin causes the exact same change in the chemistry as if you're exposed, exposed to an IED or you're exposed to a slip and fall or an assault with a hit against your head or a skiing wow. accident or bicycle accident or car accident or whatever kind or chemotherapy or excessive x-ray exposure to the brain or certain medication like um, finasteride, you know, that can cause problems in the yeah. brain. Okay. Wow. So, so would you say there's a correlation between uh, mental illness and TBIs? 
Do you think are there yeah. similar treatments to to the problem and similar symptoms? Well, I, I, right before we connected, um, I was uh, filling in a new lecture which talks about uh, neuropsychobiology. Is the lecture? Mm -hmm. It's about an hour long lecture, and it talks about the science. It's a review of the science by all different schools from Harvard, Yale, uh, Princeton, um, uh, the Institute in uh, England, Birmingham, and they're starting to show, they're starting to acknowledge, not show, acknowledge the fact of the association between neural inflammation, inflammation in the brain, and the precipitation of a whole spectrum of psycho, uh, psychiatric conditions. And if you think of it, what causes you not to have depression? The chemistry in your brain being balanced. So what causes you to be depressed? The chemistry in your brain not being balanced. So then the question right. arises, what destabilizes the biochemistry, the biochemical processes in the brain? Inflammation, certain drugs. So in yeah. our field of what we do, it's looking at the neurosteroids, the hormones of the brain, and the neural inflammation, the inflammation that is precipitated as phase two of phase one trauma, either physical trauma or biochemical or uh, non-traumatic uh, brain injury. So your question was really, have we been able to reverse neuropsychiatric conditions? And the answer is yes, because we fixed the chemistry. Yeah. Medications don't fix the chemistry. They replace right. it. And there's always a side effect with those replacements. Um, you know, I won't get into the, the specific neurobiochemistry, but you're trying to get uh, serotonin to stay in the nerve cleft called the synapse, which allows for the impulse to go from one neuron to another. So that's what keep, gives you stability. Well, they're right. assuming with these drugs that you're making serotonin. But what we have is you're not making the serotonin because the inflammation shuts down the ability of your body to make the neurotransmitters, whatever they are, and to allow for the neurotransmitters to be released and then at the other side to be recognized. So inflammation destroys that whole process. So giving someone a medication to stop the destruction of serotonin like the SSRIs doesn't make sense. And the same thing with the use of Alzheimer's medications. There are two of them, which are supposed to stop the destruction of acetylcholine. And if you stop the destruction of acetylcholine, you have more as a, of the neurotransmitter communicating nerve to nerve to give you a better sense of presence. But if you're not making the acetylcholine, the medications do nothing. And that's why we're not seeing any real benefits. What, what about the negatives with some of these harsher medications? Um, let's say a schizophrenic patient on high doses of uh, lithium and Seroquel, Zyprexa. Can, what negatives can those have, especially if they get to toxic levels? I've heard about people yeah. being hospitalized with toxic levels of, uh, uh, yeah. of these medications. Well, what could just, like, yeah, just like toxic levels of cocaine, marijuana, THC, alcohol, they impair other circuitry in the brain. So too much of uh, antipsychotic medication for treating psychoses like schizophrenia and so forth could put them into a coma because it shuts down the system. So think of yeah. it this way. Uh, 
you've got a car, you turn the ignition on, you're pumping the gas, you hear the roaring of the engine, someone lifts up the, the front hood and pulls out the rotator, the rotor, you know, pulls out the uh, electrical, you know, the old cars. I'm an old guy, so the rotor, now it's all digital electronic. So they disconnect the battery. What's going to happen to the car? It's going to die. It's going to yeah. stop working. Well, that's what happens from an overload of these medications. They shut down neuro, uh, neurological pathways, which are biochemical pathways, and you're changing the chemistry. Okay, it's like having a, what's that? So if you take them for long enough, can they permanently alter those pathways even if they're off the, after they are off the medications? That's a great question, uh, Dylan. The use of... Um, Chronic use of medication does alter the neurochemistry, does also alter the chemistry. Recovery of that is all based upon how many surviving cells are left. It's like I see guys that were on outrageous levels of testosterone such that they burnt out the control mechanism in the brain, the hypothalamus pituitary, and they burnt out the cells in the testicles or in the gonads called Leydig cells that make testosterone. And then you try and give them beta HCG after the fact, or you give them clomiphene citrate after the fact to try and get their system to turn back on. And their system barely turns back on because you've destroyed the circuitry. And the destroying the circuitry is a superficial term for killing the cells that go through atrophy. So in the brain, the same thing happens. You know, I see on people that are on methamphetamine, dexamphetamine for ADD, ADHD, where you try to get them off and because their brain is not able at that moment to make the normal neurotransmitters, uh, they go into psychosis or they have, you know, they're depressed or they're in bed or non-functioning because you shut down uh, their system. Nothing is for free. Nothing yeah. is for free. There's always a price to pay when and where you pay it in terms of the timing and in the body is the question. And no one, you know, we can answer some of it. So if, if one was taking, I know of a case of somebody I personally know, they, they were born schizophrenic, undifferentiated schizophrenia, audio, visual hallucinations, the, the whole gambit. And from the age of five to the age of 20, they were given over 10 antipsychotics, Ritalin, Seroquel, Zyprexa, Lithium. Uh, one time they were so overdosed with the Seroquel that they passed out, hit their head on a doorknob, went to the hospital, they said that his body was eating itself and he was at toxic levels of Seroquel. What effect can these medications for such a long time have on a developing brain that when schizophrenia usually develops later in life, typically, for somebody who's been on these antipsychotics from a developing brain at five, could that have, I mean, do we even know the effects that could have? Is it basically what you said, just possibly more severe? Yeah, there are studies out there, and that's in the psychiatric world. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. What I normally do is refer everybody to uh, members of our group that are board-certified, credentialed psychiatrists who specialize right. in uh, medication. Um, they specialize in neurochemistry. So I send them to those people and they say, yes, chronic use of anything, chronic use of uh, water, chronic use of uh, you know alcohol, anything that's chronic in excessive amount has its negative effect. So it's mm -hmm. all about staying within that narrow spectrum that I call the window. You blow the window, you get negative 
you're in a negative state. Above it, you're in a negative state due to overload. So yeah. the brain requires uh, a unique grouping of chemistry in order for it to be able to grow and to readjust itself. You know, when the brain is developing, half of the time it's removing neurons, not building neurons, removing it building its tracks and everything and how you influence it. That's why they find in studies of children who are in bassinets who have visual stimuli or audio stimuli. You play some good Rachmaninoff or Beethoven or Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix for them, and it stimulates more of their auditory and their cognitive and also having different colors in front of them to stimulate the brain and letters mm -hmm. and reading to them and singing to them and so forth. So we know that all these uh, sensory inputs are benefit to the brain. So what happens when you put chemistry in there that retards that, that impedes that, that influences, that affects it? You're going to have a diminution in their optimal outcome. You're not going to get optimized individuals. You're going to get attenuated, diminished. We know yeah. from uh, to stop, uh, excuse me, thyroid deficiency in children, they develop creatism. And you only have a short period of time to get their thyroid hormone replaced. Otherwise, they're uh, they're rated as low IQ. So wow. they have cognitive impairment just from thyroid. We're talking about something you need, thyroid. Yeah. So, yeah. So hypothyroidism and children creatism. So that's something you need. Deficient can cause a problem. So putting something in that your body doesn't make. You know, I did a tongue-in-cheek lecture, which was called In Search of the Prozac Gland, which talks about, you know, people, some people need these medications in low dose and whatever dosing, but does our body make it? No. So if our body doesn't make it, what is the real product that it needs to address what the pharmaceutical product is doing? Right. You know? That, that's really interesting. Say again. Say again. That's that's just interesting. It's interesting. Uh, the good news is that this individual has made basically a full recovery. Um, oh, through, being off of it. Off of it. Being off of it, and they put themselves on a. What I'm going to say is fictional because it's experimental, but they put themselves on a cocktail of certain peptides, quercetin, different things they did research on, and two years later they were a new person. I mean. His own family didn't recognize him. Um, what do you think about certain peptides like TB500, BPC157, and the, the so-called benefits that um, they allegedly have? Well, the benefits that they allegedly have, if you start reading the literature, is impressive. Uh, BPC157 for ligament, tendon, and muscle is very good. And we know in our, um, in our periphery of our practice, we know people who have been using it and getting some impressive responses. BPC-157 mixed with the thymosin uh, 4 beta or 500, as they call it, uh, understanding the mechanisms by which they work, uh, and then adding to it the IGF-1 LR3, which is uh, helps with protein synthesis. So if you're addressing fixing a lanubrium or rotator cuff or a hip or a back or a uh, epicondylitis or elbow, uh, you see the benefits from it. Um, and what about um, on the brain? What's that? And, and how I've read that they can really help with the actual brain repair as well, especially when used synergistically with a human growth hormone or a secretagogue. Um, do you see that happening as well, potentially? Well, um, 
Yes, we do. And uh, there are a couple of key articles that I reference in my lectures, like one from University of Birmingham, England in 2017, where they looked at uh, people who had treatment resistant or atypical depression. They found 61% of them had growth hormone deficiency. 61% had growth hormone deficiency. So when they replenished the growth hormone, they had within one to two months improvement in their depression and they ended up with four additional benefits. They slept better. They had hmm. better cognition, brighter minds, better interpersonal skills, and they were less volatile emotionally. And then when you start looking at the specific illnesses like Alzheimer's disease, there are studies out there showing that growth hormone helps to rebuild the microtubules that are lost that convey the acetylcholine to give you your presence, frontal lobe. Um, the peptides uh, IGF-1 uh, is a peptide IGF-1, which is 191 amino acid or growth hormones, 191. It's what, 46 is, 46 is growth hormone releasing factor. I don't remember exactly what the IGF-1 is, but these peptides do have uh, the ability for upregulating repair. And we're seeing it in the periphery, improvement in orthopedic injuries, orthopedic conditions. So I hear it from my patients who go and acquire the products and get onto a regimen and chronic hip problems gone, chronic shoulder problems gone, back problems gone, tearing of ligaments, tendons, improve in short periods of time. Well, Science I have, doctor. that's, that's incredible. Uh, so the synergistic effect seems to be important with these compounds. Do you see things like BPC-157 and TB-500 ever coming into mainstream medicine? Because I've read countless reports on the improved brain health of them and the body as well, above and below the neck. Um, I don't yeah. know if that's a good thing to a lot of people. There. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll be um, <clears throat> officially available, uh, you know, and that's because of my own uh, uh, cynical view on the way things are handled here in the United right. States or handled, period. But uh, they, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that are on the combination, the tripeptide mix, the BPC-157, TB4 beta or T4 beta and the IL- uh, IGF-1 with great response. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's an undercurrent, you know, it's an undercurrent of availability and so forth. Um, right. There are studies going on. A lot of the studies came out of Russia. I don't think we're friends with Russia too well, so they're not going to believe it. Uh, out of other countries, Germany is doing studies on it. Um, around the planet, uh, Japan, you know, a lot of there are studies going on. And you just go to Google Scholar and you'll see the studies. Hair regeneration yeah. with um, thymosin 4 beta and BPC 157, and the new one, G, uh, GSKCU. Hmm. Uh, GSKCU, yeah. it's okay. a tripeptide with copper affixed to it. And it turns out where it's really, they believe it's the copper that's doing all the work in the epidermis or the dermis in the dermal layer hmm. to stimulate the follicles along with vitamin D helps. That's incredible. 
I have I have a very interesting question to ask you, and I doubt somebody's asked you this one yet. This is very new material. It's fictional and alleged. I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me. Obey the laws in your country. Listen to your doctor. Gotcha. So this in, this individual I know, including uh, potentially others, allegedly what they've done is is they and I want to know what your opinion is on this. They take a a, a month long cocktail of TB500, BPC157, uh, some kind of growth hormone secretagogue. Sometimes a, a, a SARM selective androgen receptor modulator, like a low-dose osterine. And here's where it gets interesting. Uh, a low-dose, a micro-dose of LSD and psilocybin mushrooms all at the same time. And the individual I know did this for a year on and off. And 90% of his symptoms went away. And a year later, after stopping these things, they are still gone. I'm curious if you can even even hypothesize what the mechanism of action is here. They don't seem related, but they swear that the, the synergistic effect of these things, the hallucinogen and the peptides, is doing something. I, I'm not yeah. smart enough to guess. Yeah, the uh, just we'll break it down. The hallucinin, uh, hallucinogenics uh, are starting to get um, more recognition. There are state-funded uh, programs for psilocybin, uh, there are out of the country um, ayahuasca. There's uh, LSD, uh, microdosing LSD. Uh, there's a guy, Paul Stenmet, Stent. Uh, yes. Stamet. Stamet. Yeah, I believe that's it. Yeah, Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy. Yeah, that's it. Stamets. Yeah, Paul Stamets. Yes, sir. Colorado, I believe, and. You know, what's what they're saying is that it resets the functioning in the brain, okay? Resets things. Um, my personal feeling is um, you need to drop the inflammation and restart the chemistry of the brain in order for these products to work effectively. In fact, it's one of the programs that we're looking at um, uh, corroborating with <clears throat> is to first fix the brain from standpoint of inflammation and uh, hormonal neurosteroids, and then putting them on that. Now, the only one thing that I take um, take uh, point on is the CIRMS that was being used. And this is, I don't, you know, the problem with uh, whether or not it's uh, aromatase, an aromatase inhibitor, regardless of uh, CIRMS, SMORNS, whatever abbreviation they're gonna use, is that, yeah. <clears throat> Estradiol is extremely important, extremely important in a male's body. I've got a two-hour dissertation on it from Mike Maller's show that's on my website. And the keys are you need estradiol in the brain for you to generate growth hormone. You need growth hormone in the liver with estradiol to generate IGF-1. You need estradiol for libido. You need estradiol for endothelial nitric oxide synthetase that helps to develop nitric oxide for dilation of your blood vessels in the brain and the body. You need estradiol for bones. You need estradiol for the lining of the arteries. You need estradiol for the heart. So when you use these products, what you're doing is you're potentially shutting down your estradiol level and look at neuroplasticity, the mechanism where estradiol helps. I sent out two articles uh, last month. One of them specifically talks about how important estradiol is in males for libido. The second article was 
how important estradiol is in the brain for dropping neuroinflammation and retarding neurodegenerative diseases. So, as I said, there's always a price to pay. And the number one price is the misperception that when you put someone on testosterone, you need to give them aromatase inhibitor. The only reason why you need to give them an aromatase inhibitor is because you're overdosing them with testosterone. And one of the questions when we get a new doc who wants to come into our program, most of them are, uh, have been doing hormone replacement therapy for years, and they're a great group of people to bring into the program because they've got 80% of the knowledge with doing appropriate hormone replacement. We just need to add 20% to it. So what right. I ask them is, how much is your standard dosing of testosterone per week? 300, 200, 150, 100. And then I ask them, how much testosterone does a healthy 25 to 35 year old make a day? And if they answer it correctly, as most do, I said, then why are you giving them so much more testosterone? Right. And they have, well, that's what the, they do in the industry. What industry? Who influenced the doctors, the healthcare profession, in the manner in which they practice their hormone replacement therapy? It's the bodybuilders. And yeah. I'm, not a, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a bodybuilder doctor. I was at one point. That's how I learned my skills with hormones and proved that low dose is better than high dose because you don't create problems. One of the problems that you can create with too high of a dose of testosterone is panic, agitation, because what happens is high levels of testosterone will cause another chemical called adenylcyclase to go up, and that causes panic. That causes, like methamphetamine, it's a stimulant. On that topic, I see, I, I'm part of a hormone replacement therapy forum, and I'll keep this quick. So some guys, they feel great at 20 free testosterone. Some guys don't get symptom resolution until they're at 40. Do you think that numbers are important or symptom resolution is important, or do you play both? Is there a common number you see guys happy at? Um, and what do you think are certain symptoms to chase? Right. Um, I am a subjective assessor. How are you Mm. feeling? What's improved? What's the downside? There's always a price to pay. What's the downside? I feel great, but yeah, I'm slapping the wife or I'm kicking the dog. Okay, that's too much testosterone. Or I'm not sleeping well. (laughs) That's too much testosterone. Or I want to have sex three times a minute. That's a little bit sometimes too much tech or else they've got damage to a part of the brain that regulates the frontal lobe that regulates libido, uh, control of it in the executive functions. So I like the free testosterone on our scale, which is different than everybody else's scale, between 15 and 20. If total testosterone, as you know, is worthless, because when you really look at what total testosterone is, it's byproducts of taking free testosterone and converting it to DHT, estradiol, epitestosterone, binding to sex hormone, binding globulin, estradiol. So in looking at that spread of all the things that make up total uh, testosterone, like total cholesterol, you know, I've got someone with a total, with a total cholesterol of 230 and his primary doc wants to put him on a statin drug. But when we look at what is what makes up that total testosterone, it's 
HDL, LDL, VLDL, and their HDL level is 110. So a wow, large portion, <laughs> I, I've got guys 117 on protocol. You know, there are things that increase it. Chromate, yeah. chromium polynicotinate can increase your HDL. Niacin can increase it, but chromate does it better because it's molecular, oh. gets into the system. Chromium polynicotinate. So, wow. you know, all this stuff I got from when I was doing my uh, pharmacy license and uh, molecular biology and molecular cellular chemistry. So that's the level that I work at is at the uh, molecular level. That gives me, you know, I get to look up at the superficial science mm -hmm. and, you know, try to convey the technicalities or the technical aspects that I see in very simple terminology so you understand the importance of uh uh, importance. So back to your your guy, uh, you know, it's a combination of everything that he's done. Um, help yeah. in regeneration. Remember, IGF-1 drops cytokines. Growth hormone drops cytokines. Estradiol drops cytokines. Testosterone drops cytokines. Everybody looks at these hormones as one function. Reproductive, huh. bodybuilding, sexual, and they're pleiotropic. They have many functions. It's like testosterone. Why is testosterone so important in our Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and traumatic brain injury? Because it downregulates the inflammatory cytokines and increases the anti-inflammatory cytokine interleukin-10. If you can drop the inflammation, the brain becomes more of a neuropermissive environment. Yeah. Neuropermissive environment where you get the benefit. One of the other areas is called biological resiliency. Why is it that some of our veterans in a group, in a team, are exposed to the same scud rocket or mortar shell or IED? And some of them will have extreme negative effects. Others, nothing. Why is yeah. that? Well, there are things we can do to enhance our biological resiliency, which is our body's ability to have an, uh, a insult and then react to it by fixing it. And things like good nutrition, good hydration, low alcohol, good exercise, good sleep, meditation, these things help to build up the resiliency. It's like putting on Kevlar vest, putting more plates on your Kevlar vest so it protects you from higher energy uh, projectiles. So, Interesting. Yeah, so things like, uh, I stated them, like uh, uh, DHA, which is uh, omega-3 fish oil component, EPA, DHA. DHEA drops the inflammatory uh, NF-kappa-B and increases two protective proteins, peptides in the brain called um, survivin and protectin, and therefore helps. Vitamin E helps downregulate uh, NF-kappa-B and acetylcysteine helps downregulate NF-kappa-B. And when you mix N-acetylcysteine with vitamin E, it's stronger. You take wow. PQQ, you take CoQ10, PQQ, it upregulates mitochondria, PQQ does. So you have more energy production, more ATP. PQQ, better than CoQ10, uh, doubles mitochondria and shuts down inflammation on the NF-kappa-B. So again, wow. NF-kappa-B is repeated here for one reason. It is the linchpin for generating inflammation. If you can control that, 
And there are products in our uh, brain care too. There are six components in it. And the study that we did, I think I sent you a copy of the uh, Marine study on complementary alternative medicine, where we took a, a group of, um, of Marines, veteran Marines that are suffering from their deployments from you know traumas. And uh, we put them onto uh, our cocktail of these products in a nanoliposomal formulation and monitored them every month. And at the end of 90 days, uh, their average improvement was almost 65%. It was 64.97 or whatever, 65%. So awesome. We did no labs. We put them on no hormones. We, you know, put them on no hormones. We just put them on to the liquids. That's phase one. Phase two is now to put them on to three of the hormones, which are non-testosterone, non-clomiphid, nothing. It's DHEA, pregnenolone, and vitamin D. And nice. then monitor additional improvement in their overall condition because what i'm trying to do is make this as cost effective as can be by getting out the laboratories if you want to be academic do the labs but i'm doing a study to prove that you can get the outcome by not doing the labs you can always do the labs later and we have a, a project that started january that just blew me away my premise from way back when was that inflammation shuts down your hormone production both the hormones in the brain called neurosteroids and the hormones that are generated below the brain, below the neck, which are the peripheral hormones produced by the adrenal glands, by the testicles, by the ovaries, by the thyroid gland, the neck. And so we put the, uh, the vets onto only our anti-inflammatory phase two protocol, phase one, and then phase two, they're on both of them at the same time. We have doubling of their luteinizing hormone and doubling of their testosterone level. And I'm going, whoa, <laughs> someone, one of the guys, Charlie had a 7.2, um, free testosterone. He should be at 15.4 is the lowest 15.4 to 20 in, uh, 90 days. He was 14.8 and his, um, his, uh, luteinizing hormone went from 1.9 to like 3.5 but he had the <laughs> doubling of his testosterone. And so I just started another veteran on the program yesterday. So I'm trying to get at least 20 guys into this program over the remainder of the year. We've got four now. And uh, to show that just by addressing inflammation, why an article that I sent out a month ago was this key article. It took me a couple of years to find where they showed the mechanism where inflammation shuts off the hypothalamus's ability to tell the pituitary, to tell the testicles to make testosterone. So in the hypothalamus, it's called gonadotropic releasing hormone, which goes to G, uh, GnRH, uh, which goes to the pituitary and tells the cells there to make luteinizing hormone, LH. And LH goes to the testicles and tells the cells there called Leydig cells to make testosterone. So if you shut off the hypothalamic ability to make that key starter, you can't make luteinizing hormone. Therefore, you can't tell the cells to make testosterone. And what's interrupting them is inflammation. And this article goes through in ultra fine detail at a molecular level what's going on. Why does it happen? And it takes into consideration a cell called astrocytes, and they know specifically what chemical 
is being influenced to stop that from happening. PGE2 is what it's called. So I'm reading this stuff and I'm going with my jaw dropping down. No, sh you know? Yeah, and I hear you. That's what I do is I go looking for these fundamental, these baseline, these molecular levels of why on the superficial we don't see testosterone production and then address it at the molecular level. So it's it's been working fairly well. Uh, you know, it's not 100%. I got that. And that's going to take a couple of extra years to figure out how to get it closer. But at 65% improvement in 90 days without using any pharmaceuticals or drugs, the guys are and they're recording 20 points, drop in migraines, drop in depression, sense of well-being going up, sleeping well, migraines disappearing. And now we've got a study uh, since January on uh, tinnitus ringing in the ears. I had to go back and start rereading uh, about tinnitus or tinnitus or ringing in the ears. I've got a journal article here that I'm reading uh, because, you know, my partner, 100% re resolution of his ringing in his ears. And he was EOD, which is explosive ordinance and demolition. He was blowing stuff up, you know. Yeah. So he was exposed to the that blast, the blast wave. And uh, his 100% uh, return of his, uh, gone of his um, tinnitus. We now have in 43 people in the program right now, we're still recruiting, 43 people in the program we have a 44.7% reduction in tinnitus. So as an average across the ball, uh, across the, the ballpark of all the all comers. It's so incredible. It's all inflammation. Yeah. You know, they say schizophrenia is non-curable. The medical literature says it can't be cured. It gets worse with age. I saw myself, this person using things they told him not to use. The hallucinogens, the peptides, the quercetin. And he claims to be cured. He's a new person. And honestly, he claims to be, he just, he was born in his twenties because now he could live a normal life and people gravitate yeah. towards him. He's happy. Um, he would be one to go back to his original psychiatrist and have him reassess him. Oh yeah. That you would know, be the key. That, that's actually an excellent idea. I have three more questions. I'd like to fire off real quick. We got three minutes. So if we can keep them to a minute, a minute each, um, uh, number one, food. Is there any staples in food that you recommend? Um, eat well, good protein, hydrate well, stay away from acutely, stay away from inflammatory products. I don't believe in the ketogenic diet. I do believe in a, in a modified ketogenic diet because when you starve the brain of carbohydrates, it causes death of cells and that death of cells increases inflammation. So no, I don't isolate it. Eating a well-rounded uh, and my daughter, who undergraduate, was uh, um, excelled in those areas. She handles the nutrition along with all our uh, civilians with traumatic brain. So eat nice. well, eat balanced. Okay. And how about cortisol? Is, is that something you pay attention to? Do you check that? We check cortisol okay. because two reasons. One, when cortisol is elevated, it, increases, it decreases fractalkin, which increases inflammation. The other reason we look at cortisol is because we want to make sure that the adrenal glands are functioning because when oh. adrenal glands are overused, they stop functioning and that will increase the inability of our treatment to work. So we'll give them natural uh, um, desiccated uh, bovine uh, extract of uh, adrenal glands and get great responses. And they're on right. it for a short time. 
and it stays with them after that. Wow. It, it okay. helps it helps shut the system down. It's overdriving the adrenal glands. What does the adrenal gland need? It needs minerals, it needs protein, it needs pregnenolone, progesterone, and DHEA. Those are the substrates to help to develop the cortisol. Cholesterol, pregnenolone, 11-deoxycortisol, cortisone, and aldosterone. So if you don't have DHEA or pregnenolone, you can't generate cortisol, so you see a deficit of it. And then the pregnenolone steal syndrome is a real syndrome where the body steals DHEA and pregnenolone to make cortisol to keep you alive because you will die from low cortisol, AdSense disease. You will not die from elevated levels. You'll get people pissed off at you, but you won't die from it because you're bouncing Uh, all around. I appreciate it, Doc. This is invaluable. Last question. Uh, I have a a cousin, TBI, uh, retired medical retirement from the uh, Marines recently. Real bad uh, TBI. Uh, He wants to know hyperbaric oxygen therapy for TBI. What do you think of that? Um, I'm sort of like, uh, yeah, you can use it. But again, what I said earlier is that first thing you want to do is correct the chemistry of the brain. Mm -hmm. Now, Hyperbaric oxygen, I haven't seen in our population of people that have come to us using it where they've had the benefits like being on a protocol and not achieving 100%, but then getting the hyperbaric oxygen. Uh, If you saw Quiet Explosions, the surfer um, in the movie, Sean Dollar, uh, Guinness World Record for the highest surfed uh, uh, waves, two of them, um, had 81, I think it was, HBOT. Uh, sessions, and he did well while he was on it, but shortly thereafter, he crashed. He came back, uh, he was referred to us, and we put him onto a protocol, and he did phenomenally well. He's living a full life. He's now helping our military, uh, our veterans group in Southern California um, with surfing. He's volunteered to help a couple of and these are being uh, run by our patients who have recovered from their traumatic brain, being on multitude of medications, alcoholics and whatever, and they start these surfing groups. We've got two of them. So Sean nice. has volunteered. He's absolutely great man. So having a passion in life is important, especially when you get healed, something to focus on. Um, I know we're getting to the end here, doctor. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. It's uh, invaluable to me. Um, where can my audience find you in your supplements, everything? If they want to find your information, look you up, Instagram, Probably, yeah, I'm on Instagram, but I, what I recommend is they go to our academic site where they can download articles, um, you know, packets of information, and that's uh, www.tbihelpnow.org. And from that one website, you can get access to if you want to become a patient or get more information, or if you want to go to our website, which is uh, millenniumhealthstore.com. And I've developed um, growth hormone secretagogue that we didn't talk about, but needless to say that it works on five pathways in the brain, not one like all the other um, secretagogues. And it's a nanoliposomal, so it gets absorbed. So it's been on the market since 2001. It's uh, secretropin is being sold by doctors only. We have our, uh, our uh, over-the-counter version, Dynatropin, uh, which is at the website. And we have tens of thousands of people. It's licensed in uh, Canada. It's in licensed in New Zealand. 
It's in Southeast Asia. It's all over the United States. It was in China, Hong Kong when I worked in Southeast Asia, Indonesia, uh, Philippines, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. It's all over um, because it works. And doctors are the ones that are distributing it. And therefore, they're the ones who are doing the testing on it. So you can go to uh, millenniumhealthstore.com and uh, the proceeds from that help to fund, because I'm self-funding, help to fund our work with uh, the military, our veterans. We've helped 447 guys come on board. Some of them were paid, their entire services were paid for three years, two years. We found that we couldn't spread out more if we paid for everything. So we have programs where we'll pay 50%, they'll pay 50%. all our patients get um, uh, preferential, uh, preferential pricing from the website. All our subscribers, whether patient or not, get financial benefits from it. And I just donated funds to um, uh, Special Ops uh, Association of America, who a group of our um, patients, one is a PA, uh, Ryan, who went to Qatar to help get some of the people out of Afghanistan. So our corporation, Millennium Health Centers, uh, donated funds, and those funds come out of this, uh, everything we sell. Beautiful. So we've, this year, we've um, paid for 11 women, uh, veteran women who were destitute, helped them to get in. We paid for their enrollment in the program. Um, you know, so we're trying to help in the best way we can. Uh, we'd like to be able to pay for 100% of everybody, but that doesn't allow us to spread the benefits right. as much as we can. And we send out free products to organizations. I just donated money to uh, our corporation, donated money to uh, eight other uh, veteran 5013C charitable organizations wow. to help them uh, get started and to help them to experience our products. So we gave money to them for them to buy our program so that they can give it out to their, their people. And so we're seeing responses you know, back. That's so awesome, doctor. I've seen this. I've seen this myself. Your work as the potential to change the entire world, our chemistry at a base level, and it's changed the the lives of not only your patients, but their families, including mine. And I really appreciate what you do. And uh, so everyone here, I hope you check out his website, look at what he's doing. And uh, because a lot of people here listening could be suffering from symptoms and not really know it. They just take it as their way of life like I did. And you really don't know what you're missing. Thank you so much, doctor, for being on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Dylan. Thank you for having me.